0: They've never had someone believe in them, and and I think that's the secret ingredient you need if you're going to have that kind of abuse. And which is true with me, someone actually a lot of people believed in me, including the mother of um, the house I that got robbed. She didn't press charges, but I gave the key to these two two probably traumatized kids. They went to the house and robbed my best friend. And so I had people looking out for me and I even looked out for myself. Somehow I got a glimpse that I could be somebody one day. And that's, I
1: believe, the secret sauce. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever our curiosity takes us. It is through conversations like what you're about to hear that we provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. And without further ado, let's introduce today's guest. My guest today is Fritzie Horseman. Fritzie is the founder and executive producer of the Compassion Prison Project, an organization dedicated to bringing compassion, childhood trauma awareness, and creative inspiration to men and women living behind bars. She is currently directing Step Inside the Circle, a documentary about childhood trauma behind bars. She produced HBO's The Defiant Ones, directed by Alan Hughes, which premiered July 9, 2017, and has garnered several awards, including IDA Best Limited Series, NAACP Outstanding Director in a Television Movie or Special, Grammy for the Best Music Film, and was nominated for five Emmy Awards, including Best Documentary. Her first feature was "Take a Number," which she wrote, produced, and directed, and debuted at Slam Dance Festival in 1997. Above all, Fritzie is passionate about equality, civil rights, education, and stories about justice. Is her life's work to make sure these stories get told? For me, this entire conversation was incredible. This was recorded prior to the death of George Floyd. And the preceding social unrest. In that context. I was following my own interests. For this conversation. The introduction was made by Corey McCarthy. Who is also on this podcast. And if you are interested. In more after hearing what Fritzie has to say. I highly recommend you check out his conversation. But to get back to Fritzie. And her mission in life is her emotion and her compassion to helping other people who have never felt seen or have always felt less than is incredible. She really pours everything she has into showing you how she feels about this. What really changed in, for a lot of these conversations I've had was through the exposure I've done with movies like Just Mercy and the work of Brian Stevenson. And to hear how these stories and the legacies of, of pain and trauma shape experiences for entire generations of people or families. Is part of the reason why I'm having these conversations. I really think that we need to look at the traumas we inflict on one another. And not only person to person, but internally. I have a hard time believing that some of us don't beat ourselves up. Uh, I can speak from experience that I've done it plenty of times myself at a younger age. Feeling like I should be superhuman to some degree. Where I couldn't cry or couldn't show emotion. I think just hearing how she articulates what it's like for the most extreme really paint a picture for the rest of us on how we can live better so we're not doing it to ourselves or those we care about around us and so with that everyone please enjoy this conversation with fritzy horseman welcome back to feeding curiosity in today's episode we're joined by fritzy horseman hi fritzy Hi, Eric. How are you? Good to see you. Good. I'm really excited to do this with you, and not only just because your project, I think, is really interesting. So you're the founder and director of the Compassion Prison Project. I should say that really quick. And I I just really think it's an interesting project, not only to highlight something that a lot of us kind of consider black or white, also in the unique situation that we're all in, given COVID. I think we can do a lot to learn from just the lessons you get to learn there and how to this is going to sound grandiose, but build a better society, realistically. And so I'm just really, really excited to to be here and to, just to talk about what you're, you care about. And it teaches the world, hopefully.
0: Yes, and it's not grandiose, Eric. <laughs> this is actually, I believe, what all of us want. I mean, I believe this is a, a longing. The song, it's the song that's in our hearts. We want to feel like we love each other. and We want to feel like we're in this together. And and in truth, we really are. If we don't take care of our planet, if we don't take care of each other, we're running into a wall head on really fast. And I think my approach is global forgiveness. I think that's what I'm starting to understand. Mm-hmm. My message really is, is how, how much resentment are we holding on to? And- we can see it in the prisons in the United States. We can see, we can see our hearts based on and it just makes me cry. It's like there was what is in our hearts right now is resentment and anger. And we are not taking care of each other. And if we have 2.3 million people in prison, something is really wrong. I think we forgot we've forgotten to include our hearts in the way we're, we're doing policy and that we're doing society. I think the hearts, the heart has been forgotten. And I think it's time to reclaim our hearts. And I think the way we do that, I think the first thing we have to do, or I offer to all of your listeners is that we start forgiving ourselves. And what happens when you forgive yourself? I don't know if you, have you forgiven yourself?
1: I've tried to. I, I, I really have. I, I, I remember being high school is a really tough, tough time for many people. And I remember going through points where I was just mentally beating myself up constantly saying, you're not good enough, or you'll never be like someone else or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm very intellectual across the board. And then because I wasn't really into sports, I put myself in a box and said, I would never be athletic. And It took a really long time to, to, to like unpack those things. I kind of assumed I was going to be a certain way or a certain type of person in quotes.
0: Yeah. So you're Eric, you're the beautiful Eric. There is no other Eric. We don't have any other examples of Eric. This is it. (laughs) And why would you want to compare yourself to anyone else? And all that self-talk that we go through that, that's just another little form of violence. It's, it's not, it's not, The thing is, it's subversive violence. We don't even know we're doing it to ourselves, but that's what's going on everywhere in the world right now. The feeling that I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a second, I'm fritzy. I'm this kind of incredible fritzy. There's no other fritzies around. (laughs) I can't be Martha Stewart and I can't be Jennifer Aniston, but I can really do a good job at being fritzy. So mm-hmm. why would I compare myself to people that, I mean, they have different birthdays. They have, everything's different. And so I used to want to, you know, I used to want to be thinner. I used to, now I'm getting older. So the old me would be really angry at myself for having wrinkles yeah. and jowls and turkey neck skin. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm good with it. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what happens when you get old. But plastic surgeons, and there's no shame in going to a plastic surgeon. I, I may do it myself. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's the, it's what we say to ourselves on our way to the plastic surgeon. What, is, what are we saying to ourselves that I'm not beautiful unless I look 20 years younger? No one is going to love me. And that's the thing. That's the opportunity is we can love ourselves right at the spot that we're at. And that's, back, that's right in the, in the wheelhouse of being in the present moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're present with yourself, you're
1: loving yourself. And, and it's one of the things that I've really had to train in myself. Most of my 2019 was, was trying to anchor myself as much in the present moment as possible. As an engineer, an analytical person, and really just type A, I was always on the go, moving. I was doing school and work at the same time. And then also doing this podcast at the same time. So my brain was never off and it usually isn't off anyways. <laughs> and so for me, the idea of, of being present was utterly foreign because <laughs> I always had something else to do. Right.
0: <laughs> well, and, and that, that anxiety, which I, I totally, I, I'm totally guilty of that anxiety. is like, I got to do, I got to create, I got to, I got to prove that I'm, that I am somebody and I'm starting to notice that there's that Gandhi quote, which I think I say in every podcast that I go on, because <laughs> it's be the change you want to see in the world. But like, I didn't really get it until I really understood. It's like, it's about being, it's not about doing, it's not do the thing. It's like, so, and then as you're being, you get to really feel who you are, who Fritzie is and the or Eric or whoever is listening is that's the loveliness that the incredible beauty of being that person you you see a flower
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and you don't think the flower should be doing anything else but being that exquisite thing and that's who we are we're that beautiful flower and we don't even take time to to relish in who we are just the magnificence that we are. When we start feeling that and being that, we can which I believe COVID is the reason this is all happening is so we really can start being being ourselves and really everybody wants to get back, but I don't really think every really everyone really does. I mean I think for me I just want some more takeout. And I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Let's get back to work. Let's get mm-hmm. back to really marinating in our own magnificence. Really,
1: yeah, I, I think you're right, and I, and I think you're hitting on a lot of different points. That especially with this COVID, it, it's like some people have called it the Great Pause or or something like that. And for me, I, I've been kind of talking about it with my friends and other people as this is like mm-hmm. humanities going into the cave moment and we're kind of figuring out what it means to be human again, or kind of taking stock of this society that just kind of had its own little engine that could. And then it just morphs into this monstrosity that we have today where it's rampant consumerism and consume, consume, consume across the board. And it kind of pushes the, the human elements or the things that we all really should be paying attention to. I, I went to school for engineering and one and I, I really got into wellness and health about five years ago. And one of the big things that I, that really struck me was this idea that we're not sleeping enough, right? And so it's like when you start learning about sleep, you really start to understand all of the things that are broken within the system of how we work and how we live. And it's like when you when you focus on broadly wellness – it starts unlocking so many other things and it's like our companies have forgot that the most important asset they have are people. And again, it sounds cliche, but it's, that's the thing is like, we need to help make other people flourish, but also that starts with you. Like, however you, (laughs) you fix that. And I don't know, it's, it's such a, when I lay it out, it sounds so daunting, but I think you're just hitting on all those same things. And it's like reinforcing for me why I, I, have been focused on it so much the last couple years.
0: Yeah. And then as we start taking care of ourselves, we get to look around and we look around, we see 2.3 million people in prison Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh wait, since I'm taking care of what, where can I give some help into the world? I've chosen prisons because I feel like it's the place where we've, stored our darkness and our shame. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can get into that, really start integrating it because there's, we don't want to warehouse our shame because it that means it just exists. We've just, when you, you open up a storage container, you put all the stuff you don't want in your life and you throw it in there and then you pay for it, pay for all that stuff, which is what we're doing. We're paying billions of dollars warehousing stuff. We don't want, but what the stuff is that we don't want. Is to look at our shame and our trauma. Yeah, and we think it'll go away if we if we ignore it. And not only does it not going to go away, we're paying through the nose, and we're hurting ourselves. We've actually physically we are making ourselves sick with what we're doing to our fellow human beings, and and they have their own. You, know, you go to into a prison, and they have their own weird world it's like being in in a different it's a twilight zone going into a prison and they have their own methods of of behaving and they check they they inspect your bags but you can bring snacks you can't bring them lunch you can bring them snacks and like why can't i bring them lunch why Mm -hmm. can't i take care of my fellow man and like all these little rules that are just are it's like it's built to enforce the dehumanization and but that's we're reinforcing our own, we're hurting ourselves. And I don't think people understand that when a DA knows he's incarcerating someone that's that doesn't belong in prison, or maybe he belongs in prison, but it's not the crime that he, whatever whatever weird math he's got going on when he when he prosecutes this human, mm-hmm. he's doing it to himself though. He he has he has gnarled his whole situation. So that's what we're doing just on a individual basis. But then we're all culpable because we're we're agreeing to the system that is that is like destroys lives. Just it doesn't just destroy the person who's in prison. It, it destroys the victim because they don't get any relief. It destroys all the families, the victims' families, the incarcerated person's families. So we've got, I mean, it's a pathology that is just, it's run amok and we're out of time now. We got to get this, we got to get us back on track. We got to get our hearts on track and open and, and shifting. So, you know, and I forgive everyone for doing this. I'm not the grand Pope or anything, but I'm just going to say, you're all forgiven. Let's make a change. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm going
1: to say. You really bring up, something that's important and I can just see how much it, you're connected to it and, and know and just feel for the people that are are in prison like for me I, I've listened to a, a lot of different podcasts and, and some of them have been with maximum security inmates and I even had Corey on my podcast so I've talked to him and then I've no, I'm familiar with Catherine Hoke's work from Defy so I, I know a little bit about the movements going on around prison and, and just kind of thinking about it. Like one of the big movies that really shifted me was just mercy and, mm-hmm. and watching that film. And then also the fact that it was a real film on top of that or real about real people. It really shifted a ton. Just thinking about like the psychological impact of being not only an inmate, but like a guard inside of a facility like that, like, there's like a skewing that happens when you're around the worst possible thing that can happen. And what I'm talking about is the death penalty for those who are not familiar. And, and the, the scene in that movie that shows, it doesn't show anything, but just the emotional impact of that scene was really powerful. And and it just, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, they're, they're removing a huge element that people are adaptable. It's saying there's something about people that are, inherently broken or something like that and that they can't learn and I just find that to be so wrong <laughs> and, and it brings me to another book written by Terrence Real, which is the I don't want to talk about it which is the the other side of male depression and, and so it's kind of like overlaying both of these books and these ideas really unpack a lot about how people can be put in situations that they feel like they are stuck or that they are broken there's so much you can unpack there but wherever you want to take that
0: yeah yeah i'm i'm unpacking the death penalty because i think that's it's an interesting the death penalty is it's it's from it's from the bible eye for an eye like if you if you murder someone then we get to murder you mm-hmm. and so right in there is the lack of forgiveness it's all about we have to might makes right and then we look at i've been investigating on my own, just what is the amount of trauma that the members on death row have childhood trauma that they've experienced?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And just, I'm going to say this, the crime that they committed, the crimes that they committed are unconscionable. And we need to restore just what you have is the most traumatized person in society. Mm -hmm. You have a 1,000 people, you take the person with the death penalty, 999 people have had better childhoods than people with the death penalty. And add to that, probably 25 to 50% of the people on death row have head trauma, have, been, have had their heads bashed. And that's actually, if you look in the circle of, of the video that we did, mm-hmm. most of the men walked in when I asked about having their head bashed. And so we're talking about physical brain damage or what the football players, we all know football players We're very worried about their head. The CTE. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we've got, let's take a look at people on death row, not the innocent people on death row, but the people that actually committed the crimes. Look at their brains. Let's get brain scans on everyone on death row. We're going to have a different story. We're going to have a story of incredible abuse and incredible annihilation of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so when this is the thing that happens when you're traumatized, when you're traumatized and then you're triggered. So whatever it could be, someone says you're a piece of whatever Mm -hmm. you're triggered. So what happens? You go into a blind rage. Now, to me, if you ask me, that's temporary insanity. I mean, and some of this are premeditated. I don't under, there's all kinds of, but so you go into this blind rage and a lot of people say, I woke up and two people are dead. Mm -hmm. So what has happened is this part of your body, when you're triggered your amygdala, which is your fear center it gets bigger, and so that's your lizard brain, and that that mechanism wants to keep your body safe, and it feels threatened, so it's fight or flight or freeze. So those are your three options, and in most cases, it's fight. Mm-hmm. So, so the amygdala gets bigger, and the prefrontal cortex, the um, empathy center, the good decision-making center, that goes offline. Insurance companies know that at 25 the brain, the prefrontal cortex is finally formed, and your insurance rates go down. But when you're traumatized, there is no there is no prefrontal cortex to access, and so that that cell phone looks like a gun, and then suddenly mm-hmm. somebody gets shot. So that's this is what happens, and you all, all your whole body like becomes focused on just you can't really see straight. It just gets focused on the threat. And so when we know about the biology of trauma and what happens when triggered, that's a different person. That isn't a morally corrupt human, not a a vicious, the worst of the worst. That is a person that is traumatized, keeping his body safe. And it's a different frame. That's a different frame than saying this person it's going to go back into society and destroy people. I mean, I agree there are people that need to stay in prison, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be abused, and they don't have to be re-traumatized and told that they don't matter, which is what they've been told ever since they were born. This beautiful, innocent soul came in and was, was annihilated, and we're continuing to do that. That's what we're doing. So my plea to everyone is, one, forgive yourself to forgive everybody every single body forgive everyone <laughs> forgive the racists forgive the forgive them forgive the republicans forgive the democrats forgive the black people the white people the lgbt everybody because they all have a piece of you in them and they and the greater good we all want what's good we all want what's really good for you, for ourselves but that extends to each other we know that we know that And yet we still like, we still want to be right. Like, and so at what cost, what is the cost of being right in this society? The cost is 2.3 million people in prison, two sides of the aisle that cannot talk to each other that cannot look at each other because they want to be right. But we all want, nobody wants abortion. Nobody wants abortion, but there are circumstances where abortion has to happen and if you don't make it legal people are going to go into back alleys they're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really political but I and I see both sides. I had a child and I understand the value of life but then there's also this life out there that's poor and confused and doesn't I don't know the circumstances but it all matters. It's all valuable. We all need to be heard and we all need to be seen. Yeah. And, and when we say you're wrong and you take a position, the conversation ends and then what divisions are created and that's not who we are anymore. We're a forgiving world.
1: I, I think what you're saying is is there's so much there. You started with one really small specific scenario with like the death penalty, but then channeled it all the way upward to just broader humanity. And I think it's part of just human nature. We just want to structure the world and, and kind of make make neat boxes because we have to to some degree. And as much as it would be nice to just put things in box A and box B, it's just not the case. At least not for everybody. And, and I think what's more helpful, at least the way I like to think about it, is everything is a spectrum. And for some cases, it's going to look like this solution, and for other cases, it's going to look like this solution, and then most other cases is going to fall somewhere in in the middle. And and, and it's really a struggle for when you can see why both sides have points to be made, but then also it's like you're throwing out half of the solution. I guess from here, I think would be the best part to just be talk about childhood. You've talked about trauma, and I remember reading about this, the ACEs test, and, yes. I, and I think it would be really good to just kind of unpack that and to kind of just talk about what that test can mean for people. So
0: childhood trauma, so an ACE test is adverse childhood experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And there are 10 on this test. I believe I've added more to the circle when I did the circle Mm -hmm. with ten inside. So there are 10, there are 10 things on the test. It is physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical and emotional neglect, parents getting divorced or separated, domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, and uh, a family member in prison. So those are the 10 ACEs. So the people that commit murder, most of them have eight, nine, and 10. And most of those people have had, are the one out of a thousand that have had the worst childhood ever. So when you're committing a crime like that, there's trauma and that's it. And we're talking eight, nine, 10. So maybe his family member didn't go to prison. Maybe he wasn't sexually abused. It's like one of those things didn't happen, but the amount of abuse that they've that they've absorbed into their little bodies mm-hmm. will would blow your mind. So here's the difference of, from what I'm seeing and even Oprah says this is this is true. The people that go to prison and they haven't been seen. I mean, I, I'm not going to say this is but people have there's an element of someone who doesn't they've never had someone believe in them. And and I think that's the secret ingredient you need. If you're going to have that kind of abuse and which is true with me, someone actually, a lot of people believed in me, including the mother of um, the house I that got robbed. She didn't press charges, but I gave the key to these two, two probably traumatized kids. They went to the house and robbed my best friend. And so I had people looking out for me and I even looked out for myself. Somehow I got a glimpse that, that I could that I could be somebody one day. And that's, I I believe that's the secret sauce. So we've got 2.3 million people in prison right now who, who never really felt that they mattered. And that's, that's the first lie that that was told to them. And then all the other lies. And, but you see, they were, they were told they weren't mattered and then they were beaten up and then they were abused and then they were sexually abused and their dignity was taken away. And and then violence became normal. Violence became the way of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you go out into the street and you don't have anyone looking after you. Your mother's addicted or whatever the story is. You go out into the street and you find your family on the street. But your family is, is a bunch of violent teenagers. And that get, they, get, they get an adrenaline rush from all of this, from mm-hmm. firing guns. And you're a teenage boy.
1: Well, it's the first time they feel like they're in control, right? If their entire life they're just being beaten down and all of a sudden they put this, to use the easy example, where they put a gun in your hand and people start paying attention to you or listening to you. Of course yes. that's going to feel like, you're like, oh, look, I figured it out. Here's the special thing that I need. This is what I was missing all along, <laughs> as, as well, cynical as exactly. that may sound.
0: and it, But it's a false reality. It's a false sense of power. It's a false sense. You know, it's just it's deranged mm. violence on any level is deranged and but it's we know that we're all violent to, like you talked about commercialism and buying and all this buying that we're doing it's de, it's violence we're doing it's violent what we're doing you're like i need that so i can feel good well no actually what you need to feel good is to forgive yourself yeah so instead of forgiving ourselves instead of loving each other forgiving our husbands. We're buying something so that we can mask all this dysfunction. And so as we come to start loving ourselves and realize how violent we are, how, how our self-talk is just, it's just, and acknowledge our traumas because that's exactly. the other piece. Unaddressed trauma is goes out of whack. We're just out of whack if we don't address our traumas. And there's no shame in having a tra- having trauma, and there's no shame in not in not having forgiven yourself. Now we can. Now we know it's 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 on deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so that's what I say: forgive yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think that's again one of those powerful things you're talking about the being, which is also very Eastern. And I guess for for a lot of people, especially here in the United States, it may not sound as foreign now, but. It definitely still can be how would you go about possibly or what what has maybe worked for you on forgiving yourself or working through even negative thought patterns like if something comes up and you're just stuck in your own head like how do you interrupt that for yourself even as a specific example
0: well the other night my husband and i got i don't know we got into it we got into a little tiff mm-hmm. and we even went to bed angry which i don't like to do but but i woke up and i was like ah I gotta deal with this so I wrote a list of all the things that annoyed me about him, everything that was bugging me and like, he's selfish. And and then I forgave every one of those things about him. But I also realized that anything I didn't like about him is what I didn't like about what was going on because I was being selfish. He's being selfish. I'm being selfish. It all comes right. Anything you don't like in somebody, it's, it's what you don't like in yourself. And so gosh we got to give ourselves a break what we expect of ourselves is just this weird perfection that is just it's a lie like i'm just fritzy i can't be i can't be a perfect jennifer aniston but i can be a really amazing fritzy and that's Mm -hmm. it and i've forgiven myself that i can't be jennifer aniston and i've forgiven myself that my waist is in a I, I, my size isn't a two I'm just perfect every little cell is this is who I am
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this is who I came here to be I didn't come here to be Jennifer Aniston I, I don't know why she's coming up today but I saw a picture of her she's so pretty um, <laughs> she is she's so pretty but that doesn't mean make me not pretty right? Yeah. That's the thing just because someone has something glorious doesn't mean I'm not glorious yeah. and it time that we'd like, take a look at our wonderful selves. But the other thing I did is I do a thing with the guys in, in prison. It's called recapitulation Okay. and it's go in and look at every, everyone you've ever harmed, forgive yourself for who you've harmed, but also if they're, if they're still alive or if they exist, ask for forgiveness, go for it. Just go for it. Make it balls to the wall. Let's get this done. Let's get this forgiveness out of the way so we can start healing because this is what's, this is what's, these are the hanging chads that we're not addressing. And this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to just like, just be in our glory. And this is our time. And Mm -hmm. this is why we have COVID. The COVID is to say, look how amazing you are, but stop all this. Stop all the nonsense. Stop buying all this crap. You don't, it, half of it just goes in the, it's like a revolving door. I mean, I look at people's garbages. It's like, what are they throwing away? Our neighbor could use that. So it's like, let's be conscious about what we're doing and how we're, if we're going to eat meat, let's be conscious about it. If we're going to mm-hmm. grow a corn, let's, let's not use chemicals and, and pollute our food supply. Let's be kind to ourselves and, and then forgive Monsanto we got to forgive Monsanto we got to forgive them but we can't use them anymore that's just ridiculous right. but it's all those things it's all and we we got to fight for justice but if you're fighting look there's somebody there's an enemy and we got to stop making enemies out of each other yeah you know stop the enemy stop the othering even though it's it's for for good it's still anothering and mm-hmm. And then we have more to forgive. So let's stop creating enemies.
1: I think, again, you, you have this way of, of speaking that starts at the personal and then, and then it expands outward to a higher level. It's, it's really interesting to me because I, I totally get it. And, and the what kind of comes to mind when you, when you talk about this is this the idea of, basically self-awareness of, of building this ability to look at your own life as an observer to some degree and say, what am I doing? Is this actually helping or hurting, actively hurting? And really the biggest thing to do then is to just let it go. And it, it's it's really difficult, I would say, for a lot of people to, to let things go or to say, this is good enough, because I think our society has inadvertently trained all of us to be perfectionists. It starts in school and you have parents or maybe you don't have parents that say you need to get A's so you can go to the best school or do whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden when you get out of school, if you go to college or even high school, once you get out of there, there's no such thing as grades anymore, but that's still that when you've betrayed since you're 18 to have be a perfectionist, it doesn't allow you to let things go at all and and there are certain things that just stick with you especially because you're a child there's just those little things that kind of nag at you that become problems later on and and so like one of the things that i like to think about is that sometimes negative traits that we are learned behaviors are rewarded by society so workaholism is rewarded by our society
0: big big form of violence being a workaholic and I'm the first one to say I'm one of them. I'm high. I'm frizzy. I'm a workaholic, but it's violence because there's a underneath that is that I'm not enough, and who I am is not enough. I I worked in the film industry for years, and there was a guy. He's like, yeah, I worked 18 hours yesterday. Today I'm going to probably be here till you know midnight, and I'm and I always was like, well, that's ridiculous what you're doing like that for what? Because you want to make some dubs or whatever they were doing. I mean, it was like that. But and they didn't like me because I wouldn't work 16 hours a day. I was like, I'm going to go home and, and call me if something happens, but, and, and don't wake me up. But, <laughs> you know, I was that kind of person, and they didn't like that. And they, It was really unfortunate because they were so close to my house. But workaholism is, 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 is violence because we're not we're – not, actually, we're not allow, allowing ourselves to feel. And, but that's the thing is we don't want to feel – and we're afraid, we're afraid of our trauma, we're afraid of of feeling feeling less than. Yeah. But the only way we can get through is to stop. We gotta stop and start forgive. Just forgive yourself today. Just put it on your list. The first thing, set of brush teeth, forgive self. And then, <laughs> you know, That's and so then at good. the end of the night, I will I've been waking up and I I've been waking up every morning lately and I've been saying, Hi, beautiful. I say that to myself now. And it just, it's like, wow, look how much I like myself. I'm just kind of so proud of myself that I have started really liking myself. Mm -hmm. And I think this is available to all of us. And once we start liking ourselves, there's room for everybody else to, to flourish, but we don't have to be Jennifer Aniston, or I don't know who's the skinny (laughs) one now, but whoever that skinny one is that... I can't be, you
1: have to be her. <laughs> What just popped in my brain when you just said the high beautiful was with the release of the hundredth episode from this week, I've had the hardest time and in general, I don't take compliments well. I can't compliment myself for anything. even though this project is completely self-motivated by me. No one is telling me or paying me to do this thing. I do it because I want to. But then when people tell me, this is so cool that you've been able to do this, I immediately say, I, I try to push it away and say, Nope, I can't take any credit for it. <laughs> and I, I don't know where that comes from, but the, uh, the ability to take any sort of compliment is really difficult for me.
0: Okay. Here's the thing about that. So when someone gives you a compliment, like Eric, you, like here, this is my feedback for you. You're very, you're analytical. You're really smart. You're like hyper aware and you're really sweet. So, I'm putting out. I'm loving you in this moment. You're a gentle soul, too. I'm loving you in this moment, and if you don't accept it, I don't get the. I don't get the gift of loving you. I don't get to feel what my, what my generosity and my spirit wants to impart to you. And so, what it's actually a selfish act by by um, walling yourself off from compliments. So, and, and I understand we're like, we're all embarrassed to be wonderful. Like everyone's like, we're shame. We feel shame, almost shame for mm-hmm. being exquisite. And this is just another lie. It's like, not only can't we forgive ourselves, we can't, we can't take any compliments unless we become narcissists, but that's just a perversion of that. That's <laughs> the other side of, it's just the other side of it. So yeah. So allow people to love you because when you take it in, you actually change who you are. It changes who you are, and then you get to give it back, and it changes the world. So love is available to you, and let us love you. Let the world love you, and then there's more for us there's just more love. Yeah. And then who doesn't want that? I mean, I picked the stamps. The stamps are all love. <laughs> love that's everyone. so cool. <laughs> but that's that's what we're we're robbing ourselves of every day. I mean, not every day, I mean, Let's not let's just today decide we're not gonna, we're just gonna love ourselves and allow people to love us and allow forgiveness the grace of forgiveness what a what a beautiful thing for us wow
1: you, you had a moment there the amount of emotion you bring to to this conversation is just awesome and insight it's not every day that people can can just share this vulnerability as as a human even in this time it i think it's heightened in because of what COVID's done to the world but i think it's Honestly, like the medicine we need, uh, realistically, and to to see it for what it is, is honestly is I blown away. One of the things that really grabbed my attention was the idea of Descartes' error, where thinking and feeling are not inter- interconnected, but they are. <laughs> and to to basically learn how to improve my own emotional awareness as someone who hid from it and would not allow myself to feel anything for a very long period of time and to slowly unpack that for myself even though I'm not by any measure traumatized like like we've been talking about it's mostly like self-inflicted internal mental battles there's a there's a quote I like to say which is we're all have a battle going on that nobody knows anything about anyone you walk across the street is dealing with something that they're not telling anybody or if they are telling you and it's behind closed doors in their family or whatever
0: yeah so be kind to those people we don't know what they're going through and that's the thing if you can smile at them then you've seen them and then you could change their day i waved to a truck driver yesterday two days ago and he blew me a kiss (laughs) (laughs) that's so good (laughs) so awesome i was like it's like not only do I see you, Fritzi, but I'm I'm going to love you on top of your your smile. So mm-hmm. that's what's available to us. Just in a, just when I saw oh, the homeless man, there's a homeless man that I've been worried about for years, and I saw him, and I just I I just saw him, and I just looked at him, and he saw that I saw him. Finally, I've been trying to see him, <laughs> trying to show him that I see him for months. Yeah. He finally let me see him, and it was really it was. But it's like it was he accepted my gift, and it it really it it really helped me. Which is so interesting that him allowing me to see him, he let down his insanity so he to let me in, and and it healed me. The homeless man healed me. So you don't know. They're all magic is out there in at all corners of. Of every street you walk on, so let it in. Let the homeless man heal you, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh
0: God! And make sure you have money in your pocket so you can give <laughs> him. Because all this cashless society, I have no. I don't have any cash anymore, so I've yeah. got to get some more cash because they need some.
1: Again, you you have this depth of connection that I keep seeing, and it's I'm. I- I wish I would post the videos more often. I'm glad I'm recording it right now, but like you, you, it's, you're so visibly, you know, emotional and connect to people. And I can, I can obviously see why that when you go to, uh, to do this at a prison and how you wear it on your sleeve realistically. And to just connect with people, it seems like you're, you're, you're like one of your gifts. And, and where does that, where does that come from for you? Because it's so special. I, I'm really like, even though we're, we're recording this halfway across the United States, I, and I'm really like feeling it and I, it's really special. So.
0: Well, thank you. I, I can only say, I mean, first off, I like people and I'm interested in people. So I find that's just my curiosity over somebody. It, it helps. That's one of the, there's that, those laws of influencing people. hmm um, you've got to take an interest in them. But also, I think it's also growing up in New York City.
2: Mm. Um,
0: be, there's an antagonism in New York City, but there is also like a camaraderie. And everything is, hey, lady, what you doing? And then you go, hey, what you doing? And suddenly <laughs> you, can, you can, but it's seeing each other. So New York, that's what's so great about New York is you can see, like Chicago too, I bet. You see each other. Like in New York, in, in LA, you don't really get the the opportunities like you like you do in New York, it's like you're all in that swamp together. The rich have the same cesspool to get around as the poor people. So we're all in New York. You, there's, we're mm-hmm. stuck with each other, which is really how it really is. Uh, but New York's just unlivable, if you ask me. But I think it's that. I think that's it. But I've also connected more to myself, I think. And so I'm more available to people and more... I'm just connected to how I feel now, which that's what trauma does is it it shuts you off from your feelings. You go numb so you don't have to feel because feeling is dangerous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're living in a traumatized society and there's no shame. There's no shame in not feeling. I'm just letting everyone know there's <laughs> no shame at all. There is no shame. There's accountability, but there's no shame. But being accountable is being vulnerable because you're saying – I did something wrong. I did that, or I did that act. Mm-hmm. I did something that may have hurt somebody. Being accountable is being vulnerable. And it's, it's a lot to ask, and we're all up for it. We're up for the task. So there is no shame. There's accountability. I hurt you. I'm sorry. There's that thing, Ho ho'oponopono. There was a, a doctor in Hawaii, and he was working on the criminally insane... He would read their files and he would say, Ho'oponopono is, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Wow. He would say it over and over. And by feeling these, just through their files, he would heal these people because he didn't see a separation. He saw himself as his, as his clients. And that's part of what we did in the circle that day. We did Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. That's another video we're going to be releasing soon. The first one though, we're doing the symptoms of trauma. That's next. So we can really educate the public about what trauma does to the brain, body and spirit. Mm -hmm. And there's no shame being traumatized. That's the thing. That's the thing that, because when you're traumatized, you feel shame and what you're feeling is the shame of the person who's traumatizing you. So the person who abuses you, has so much shame you can feel it and it goes into you and then you take it as your own mm-hmm. and we're all walking around with other people's shame in our bodies
1: and it's almost like a virus not to be cliche or, or horrible pun intended given the circumstances but it really is like that right like it is,
0: it is. and that's that's it. Trauma is a virus. And, but it, and, and, and I say in the, and I quote this Robert Block, it's the most, the biggest unaddressed uh, problem in our society. And it's, it's today, my goal by the end of 2020 is that everybody knows what an ACE is. They know their ACE score. Go to my website, org, and the ACE test is there take it and know what your score is know if know how traumatized you are and there is no shame in it and then talking about your trauma to therapists but also get into groups group therapy group therapy or just these healing groups these circles or these zoom circles whatever you have to do yeah to start really forgiving yourself and forgiving the people who hurt you because that's your poison that you're carrying around and, uh, and get the poison out so we can thrive and be magnificent together.
1: <laughs> you, you have such a, a, a way of just highlighting what's most important and, and saying it like it is. And it's, it's almost poetic, realistically. What it reminds me of is, like, just given a situation where you said, like, you waved to the UPS driver and he blew a kiss back. Like, one of those, like, that story... <laughs> What I've been doing lately is I go on a run after my work day just to get outside and enjoy the weather because I know scientifically that being in the sun and going on runs or moving the body, however you do it, I'm not training as an athlete, but I just do it to feel better. But right now there's tons of people getting outside because the weather is finally thawing out here in Chicago. So it's getting warmer. So more people are outside, but I can't help but wave to people. And before when I would go out like even just last year, you'd avoid people like seeing another person was like, oh, God, another person. Hi, don't look at them like, hi, <laughs> don't make eye contact. Hi. And now it's completely different. Now I see people I wave even if they're across the street. I smile at them first, no matter what. And sometimes people don't want to look at you and that's totally fine. I just let it go. But like more often than not, people are like, like happy to see other people right now and there's no controversy about anything right I'm trying to avoid that part of it but like there's there are issues with that but there's this increased empathy because the entire world is going through this situation for the first time in human history we're, we're all in this together we like to say that right like we're all in this together but it's it sounds naive or whatever you call it to you get a pat on the head for it but realistically that's really what it is it's it's we're all in this together and now it's up to all of us to kind of say okay now how do we want to take this in the future and actually this brings up another question that I I I just finished reading the book Creativity Inc by Ed Catmull from the one of the co-founders of Pixar and there's a chapter in the book called Notes Day where they kind of called a whole day for the company to kind of reevaluate what the culture of the company would do but instead of like the execs Figuring out the new direction and pointing it they called the employees to do it and what they would frame questions as it was like the year is 2017 because they did it in like 2013 and we have figured out how to make an inclusive environment everyone's creative and people figured out how to be a better company how do we get there and so after reading that those statements i was starting to think about like in our current circumstances the year is 2025 five years after covid we've healed society what did we do to get there? <laughs> and, and I haven't said this to anybody yet. So this is the first time I've ever said this to anybody. <laughs> what we've done is
0: we've decided to take care of each other across the board, nonstop. So the homeless person that, that I saw on the street, I don't have mental health skills. I don't know how to deal with with that. But... Mm-hmm he's no longer there because he's been, someone has been taking care of him. He has a place to live and the neighborhoods that are impoverished have been, have, we've all gotten together. We've done an extreme makeover across the United States and really started taking care of, cause we're all, like you said, we've always been in this together years, hundreds, thousands of years. We've been in this together and we forgot <laughs> when Adam took that bite and we decided there was shame. We forgot that we were in this together. We created separation, but we've always been in this together. And we really want to be right, but we, for, we decided, 2020, we decided that right wasn't important, that forgiveness and love, compassion and kindness trumped everything. And what a, what a miraculous year 2020 was. My God, my God, all the schools we all chipped in. We all saw the, the kids that needed more help. We made sure that their needs were taken care of. Christmas was a whole new story. One of the guys in prison, they used to sit around. They were so poor. This is a, this is a story to me. They sat around a pot that was covered, and they, it was called, they wished that a turkey would appear in that pot. It never did, but it, it helped distract them from the sadness that they had that they didn't have a turkey on Thanksgiving. And I don't know if that's what's necessary, but the fact that somebody in this country feels a lack means I'm not whole. Like I'm responsible for that turkey. Like that's to that it's to that level that we need to get. Like let's take responsibility and be accountable. Like here it is. There is no shame, but we're accountable.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We, we really messed up, but right now we know better. So let's take accountability. Let's, let's start, let's galvanize each other and really support each other. I mean, I, I have to write all the, the 235 men I'm writing up, a it's called a chrono so that they can put it in their file that they participated in this day and they made a difference. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, but not only that, they're compassion ambassadors. Like, and so I'm like, I'm going to go to Staples and get them a big certificate and just really honor them. And I just felt like, oh, and I need to write them a thank you note. It's like, <laughs> How can I honor these men? And I'm just so grateful for them showing up and showing their courage. But I mean, it's like, that's all I can do. I can't even bring them snacks. I brought them, I brought each of them two donuts <laughs> on the day we filmed. So they that's awesome. that was 500 donuts I had to pick up at five in the morning. <laughs> That's the thing is I'm making sure I can take care of those guys as much mm-hmm. as I can and honor their spirit and honor what they gave to me. I mean what they gave to me was is just it was the biggest gift, one of the biggest gifts I've ever gotten in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will always be indebted to those men. Cool. And, uh, and I hope I get to see them outside. And Howard, that old man, the one who said that was his favorite day of his life. I mean, I just can't wait to see him again and bring him. He likes potato chips. He crunches. He was eating during the interviews. I was like, oh my <laughs> god! But I love him so much. I just want to bring him like a case of potato chips.
1: Well, I mean, if anything, you can give give them this audio, and hopefully, they can listen to you say this. But the. The other part of this too is that I think you did give them the biggest gift that anyone ever could. You, you saw them for humans and you let them share their story that I don't think almost any of them ever would have thought they'd be able to do. Like now hear, hear their words and their experiences are getting out in the world and, and they make a difference. They're changing the perception people have of these people that are just in quotes, bad people, right? And 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 what you're doing is highlighting that bad people good people they're just people they're just humans on the planet and and i know the nature versus nurture debate will go on forever and ever because we'll never decide but a lot of times it's circumstances are everything just as much as how you were born so you know
0: yeah in this case uh it's nurture they were not nurtured yes you know, <laughs> they were not and aces they have the aces most of those guys uh, no. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten. The statistics that I've gathered, just the so United States, about seventeen percent of Americans have four or more aces. Wow. In prison, in my little surveys, seventy mm-hmm. percent have four or more. If you have six or more aces, your life expectancy goes down by twenty years. Wow. That's that's what. It, that's what aces do to your health. It's a it's mm-hmm. a national health crisis. What aces done. all mm-hmm. this comorbidity with COVID
2: mm-hmm.
0: is all trauma. Mostly it's African Americans. What kind of trauma white people have done to the African Americans? What they've done to our their spirits? It's it's just unconscionable and no shame and. You're forgiven and forgive yourself and let's go. That's, we've made, we've made some really, really awful moves. Yes. We've got to stop. We've got to stop. And it (laughs) begins with all of us though. I've got to forgive everyone. So do you. You Do what what you want.
1: (laughs) I've done a ton of work around my own personal purpose and meaning with, with understanding what, you know, guides me or why, like what fuels me to be on this planet as a human. And what I have right now is the idea that with knowledge comes responsibility. And, and I think that's, that's where the lacking is right now is taking personal responsibility where when you think something is right and you, with new information, you realize that was not the right choice. You'd still double down on your original decision. And I think what, we need to be doing as as humans, as leaders, as uh, parents, as children, or whatever you call it, like whatever your role is in society, we just need to say, okay, sorry, I, I messed up. I'm human. Okay, right, right. We, we, again, we all know this, but then we try to shirk it to some degree. And uh, so that's, that's really one of my huge things that I always try to get across is, is it starts with taking responsibility for your own actions regardless of your, your circumstance. If you believe that you should have a higher standing, then do it. I know this, it sounds grandiose to some degree, but I I really truly believe in that. And I know we've been doing this for like an hour now. Last thing I would say is, is given this weird time, how would you recommend either people who now need to get new jobs because of the huge economic fallout that will be following this and is already falling out? But also anyone who's a student who has to now go find a job after this, how would you recommend they go about either rebuilding or searching for the first time?
0: I don't know. Just be quiet, I guess. I would just say be quiet for like listen to yourself, go for walks, and uh, get to know yourself. And I think it's all there, all. We, my mom used to tell me, she says, we know all things. We know everything. So well, we just have to find, look look inside for the answers. And uh, there's a reason why that job went away is because there's a better job. There's something better that you should be doing. And maybe that's doing nothing. And maybe it's just really finding out what, you, what, you're, what inspires you. And that's what we're waiting for. We want your gift. We don't want... We don't want you to be doing Excel spreadsheets for for Kleenex or, or for whatever corporation. Maybe, and maybe if you love that, then go do Excel, Excel spreadsheets. We need that, but do it. Do what what really moves you, because then you'll be who you are, and then and then we get to have you be your best. And Wow, what a gift that is.
1: Couldn't said any better myself and you're seriously a force of nature Fritzi. and I really appreciate you doing this with me. So last thing to wrap up is where can people connect with you?
0: Compassionprisonproject.org. There's donate buttons all over the place. There's volunteer buttons all over the place. If you're inspired, figure out how you want to give back. And we have the giving back project. If you're rooted in your community and how you can fix your community, let's partner and figure out let's change this thing we we can do it and and find out how many prisons are in your state find out what what your, what money we're putting towards incarcerating your family there are family members there because we're in a global family so what do, and why are we why why is the 13th Amendment still there that says slavery is okay? So all these things to think about, but really find out about the, the effect of incarceration on your state and find out how many prisons are in your in your state and where's the closest one, how far, how far do you have to drive? That's a family member that has to drive that distance. This is, so wellness centers in, in three, three years or less, all prisons will become wellness centers in three years or less. Hold that vision. And choose, choose congressmen and statesmen that'll support that vision.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Fritzy.
0: Thank you so much, Eric.
1: Thank you. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time, and we'll catch you all in the next episode.